I want to introduce a friend of mine to you. I had the privilege of knowing Colt McCoy before. Really, I knew him as a quarterback. I knew him as a college student that went to this church. And one of the very first conversations he and I ever had was after church one night after a seven o'clock service. And it was during his senior year. He came up to me and he said, Matt, I'm under a lot of pressure this year for the Heisman. Our team thinks we can make it to the national championship this year. And man, more than anything in the world, I want to glorify God. He said, would you help me do that this year? And so he and I developed a relationship. But even more importantly than watching him walk through his senior year, I've gotten to know him as a man over the last few years, a man of God. And so it's my great privilege to introduce Colt McCoy. Y'all make him feel welcome today. Good morning. All right. So I know this crowd, y'all are used to seeing Carter and Ivy up here in skinny jeans. And unfortunately today, that's not going to happen. But it, it is extremely, it's an extremely big honor for me to be up here preaching to you guys at the Stone this morning. I went to church here during my time, time at UT, and it, it has made a huge, huge impact in my life. And again, it's, it's good to be here. So uh, my wife and I just got back from San Francisco on Friday night. And all throughout minicamp last week, which was long days, I was just extremely nervous about this moment right now, about preaching to you guys today. And the only thing that saved me when I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking about this was if Matt Carter and I reverse roles. <laughs> if, if Matt had to go play NFL football, can you imagine him lining up behind center, <laughs> taking a snap, barking out a cadence, I just wish I knew it would be going through his mind in that moment. But that gave me a little peace this weekend as I was preparing to speak here today. And, um, you know, we've all seen the crazy one-handed quail catch, so some people might think he could actually play receiver in the NFL, not quarterback. But that was seriously one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the wild. It was real. I know some people think it's fake, but it was, it was completely real, completely real. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers all the grandfathers, all the great-grandfathers. I know I'm, I'm extremely blessed to have a great dad and a granddad uh, who have been influential in my life in so many ways. And honestly, that is why uh, Matt and I decided to write the book, was to encourage men to be great husbands and encourage men to be great fathers and to be men that live for Jesus regardless of whether you're married or whether you're single. Okay, so this is the third week in a series that we're doing on biblical manhood. The first two weeks, uh, Matt nailed the two lessons. In week one, Matt talked about how in the Bible, men are called to lead and how God puts the responsibility on the man in the church. He puts the responsibility on the man in our marriages. and He puts the responsibility on on the man in our families to lead. And if you missed the sermon last week, I really encourage you to go listen to it. Matt talked specifically about the call of man to lead in our marriages. It was very powerful. And some of those principles that he talked about last week have been huge for me as I've tried to be a good husband to my wife over the last two and a half years of our marriage. And then leading into today, today is our last week in the series, and I want to talk about legacy. Before we really get into it, this is a, a deep topic, a hard topic Uh, a topic that, as men, we really need to dive into and listen to. So I encourage you 
to really think about this, to really open up your mind this morning to what we're going to be talking about. And there are two things I want you to think about when you think about the word legacy, the term legacy. Number one, what is a legacy? A legacy is what you leave with people you're closest to after you're gone. Your legacy is what lives on after you die. How will you be remembered? Your legacy is the impact that you made in this life while you were here. And the second thing I want you to think about is this. Every man leaves one. Every man leaves one. The question is not, will you leave a legacy? Because every man in this room is going to leave a legacy. The question is, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? And as our example today of what it looks like to leave a legacy, let's look together at one man who left the greatest legacy of any man that's ever walked this earth, and that's Jesus. So if you have your Bibles today, please turn in, turn in them to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. That's where we're going to begin this morning. And as you're turning there, I'll give you a little background of, of what's going on here. Here's what we're about to see in Philippians. Paul's speaking to the church in Philippi. And he starts giving the church examples of how they are to live. When I talk about the church, I talk about the believers. And you can, you can insert us there, Christians. He starts giving them examples of how they're supposed to live, characteristics they are to have in their life. And he's going to explain the reason we are to do this, why we are to do this, why us as the church are supposed to follow these things. And it's because these are the characteristics that Jesus had in his life. And after we talk about the principles and the characteristics we're going to realize the scripture says that these are the things that caused him to leave the legacy that he did. These things in verse 3 and 4 Paul is telling us about are the things that Jesus did that caused him to leave the legacy that he did. So in verse 3 it says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. This right here, church, that's the biblical definition of humility. I can't explain it any better than that. The first characteristic that the scripture calls us to here in Philippians, men, is humility. Regard one another as more important than yourself. This is hard for me. And I think as men, it's really hard for, for all of us. Because from the time we're little kids, it's drilled into us to win. It's drilled into us to be the best at what you do. To be first to be important. I can remember playing t-ball, and it, you know, I wanted to hit a home run every time. You've know, you got to be important. You've got to be the best. You know, I honestly live in this environment every day. It's win or go home. You've got to be the best at what you do. But the Bible's calling us to be opposite of that. The Bible calls us to consider others more important than ourselves. And when I look at our culture, sometimes I see a lot of false humility out there. Guys that act like they don't want credit for some of the things they do or they act like they don't want to be rewarded for something they have done and they call that humility. They call that um, being humble. Church, that's not the biblical definition of humility. You pretending like you want credit for something or pretending like you don't want credit for something is not humility. The biblical definition of humility is when you look at other people, you actually consider them better than yourself. When you look at those around you, you see them, and you actually consider them better than you. Let's move on to verse 4. It says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, 
but also for the interests of others. So the second characteristic Paul calls us to as men who leave a legacy is not only do we consider others more important, but we are men that don't just care for ourselves, we care for others. And if you think back to last week, that's, a, that's exactly what Matt's message was about. It's what he talked about. It. Matt was spending so much time pursuing the church and being a good pastor that he neglected the interests of his wife and kids. He got caught up in, in, in all the things that he was doing. The church was his idol. He was traveling. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was studying. And he got so caught up into that that he neglected the interests of his wife and kids and Man, I know we can all relate to this. I especially can relate to this. You get so caught up in some of the things that you're doing, it's hard to always care for, the, for others. It's hard to always care for the interests of others. And, you know, I, I went to a really small school in high school, and I got to play all sports. I, went, I played football. I played basketball, all the team sports. And I promise you, as fun as team sports are, I'm still playing a team sport. As fun as they are, especially football. I love football. There are always, always, mark my words, there are always a few guys that are just extremely annoying. <laughs> sometimes it's players. Sometimes it's a coach. There's, there's someone on your team that's just that guy. It's just, there's something about him. He just, it's annoying. Maybe you can experience that in your job and you, maybe it's your boss or maybe it's a coworker, but we are called to look out for them and care for their interests to love them many ways, and as annoying as they can be sometimes, and as tempted as I am to just ignore them, to write them off, what this verse is saying is that I'm actually called to care for them. I'm actually called to care for them. For example, over the, over the course of my career through college and into the, into the NFL, I had a coach one time that I just did not get along with. And as I'm telling this story, maybe you can relate this. You know, I guess my coach would be my boss so maybe your boss, but he didn't like me, and I honestly, I honestly struggled with him. But God convicted my heart about it, even though he didn't deserve it. I began to show him respect. I began to pray for him. And I did that because as men, we are called to care for other people, regardless of the circumstances. This has also been one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn in my marriage. So I'm first and foremost, and importantly, a child of God, then I'm a husband, then I'm an NFL quarterback. I can't just go out and pursue my dreams and goals as a quarterback if, if that was the only thing on my mind. I can't just do that. I can't just pursue that. I have to make sure first that my wife's goals, her dreams, the things that she wants to accomplish, those that have the potential of being met first. I can't just daily pursue my own walk with Jesus. It's important for me to care for my wife by making sure that she's walking well with Jesus. And men, I don't, I don't have kids yet, hopefully someday, but it's important that you're making sure your kids are learning and growing biblically. That they not only are getting taught and learning about Jesus here at church, but also at home. You're the role model. You're showing them what a good marriage looks like. You're teaching them what holiness is. And being that kind of role model for your kids is one of the best ways that you could ever care for them. Ever. So I don't watch that much TV, but how many of you in this room have seen or heard the show Duck Dynasty? Okay, 
That's good. I, I, I didn't get much of a response from the 9 o'clock, so that's, that's pretty good. But like I said, I hardly, I hardly ever do, but when I do, I watch, I watch that show. I love the show for several reasons. Number one, I like the outdoors. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to cut up with my friends when we're away from work or whatever, and I'll never get bored of hearing Uncle Cy talk. <laughs> Guy cracks me up. Being from West Texas, I've got relatives who speak his language. But the coolest part of that show is the way that it ends every time. They sit around a table as a family, a big group, all of them, long table. They share a meal together. They're talking, they're enjoying each other's company, and they pray. And that's important to them. And I've never met those guys. I'd love to someday. But I've heard enough about them to know that the most important thing to them is not the duck calls that they make, It's not their TV show. It's not their fame and fortune. But it's the legacy they're leaving to their family. And what the scripture is saying to us today is not only are we caring for ourselves, but God is calling us to be men who care for the interests of others. Let's move on to verse 5. And this is probably the most crucial part to understand today. Paul's telling us in verse 5, he says, Have this attitude in yourselves. And now... Watch right here. Paul's about to tell us why. He says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us that as men, we are to walk in humility, to not just look to our own interests, but to the interests of others. And why does he say this? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And watch what the scripture says God did because Jesus lived out these principles. Verse 6, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, that's a man who left a legacy. That's legacy. Jesus was a man who didn't live for himself. Jesus was a man who lived for the benefit of others, of those around him, and the glory of God. And his legacy, Jesus' legacy, will be seen and felt forever. Forever. And men, we need to understand at the end of our lives, there is only going to be one thing that lives beyond you. And that's what you do for Jesus. One thing. This is huge. As I said at the beginning of this message, the question is not, will you leave a legacy? The question is, what legacy are you leaving? One quick story about how the truth that Jesus is the only thing that's going to last and how this really sank home for me. This happened to me a few years ago when I was at UT in uh, 2005. As I was thinking about this story the other night, that's eight years ago. I can't believe it was eight years ago I was a freshman at UT. It's too long. 
Seems like yesterday. But I was pumped. I was thrilled. I was finally there. My parents had dropped me off. Coming from a small town in West Texas, I had made it to Austin. I'm about to start my life. You know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Uh, we, we walk in. We check in with the, with the coaches. We meet the trainers. We meet the equipment guys. We meet all the people in the facility. It's a great day. Excited. I go inside. I get my gear. I get my equipment. I get my shoulder pads. I get my white helmet with the burn orange sticker, the number on the back, even though I don't have a number yet. Burn orange and white Nike cleats. I walk around the corner. I get my locker all situated right next to Vince Young. And then the time comes for you to pick out a number. This is a crucial time. What number am I going to be wearing for the next four years or five years? And our head equipment manager walked me through what numbers were available. I was number four in high school, and four was taken. So as I went into the equipment room, I was looking at the numbers, and I, no one was in there. I was in there by myself. I pick up number 11, and I was like, man, I was number 11 in junior high. I like this number. And I held it up. I'm like admiring this just number 11. No name on it. I'm just picturing my name on the back, McCoy, right there. I'm like, I could be just like Major Applewhite. You know, this could be me for the next four years, right here. And my equipment manager walked around the corner and said, boy, put that jersey down. You will never accomplish what number 11 did. Do you know whose number that was? Put it down. Let's pick a different number. And so I'm like, all right. My dreams were crushed. So I chose one number higher than that and picked 12. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> God blessed me with some great, great, great opportunities at UT. And in 2010, I got a call from the president of the university and Coach Brown and received one of the greatest honors of my career so far. UT wanted to retire my number 12. And when I think about that moment, I didn't, it didn't really register during the phone call. But what I think about is I'm standing on the field. Coach Brown and his wife, Sally, are standing there. My parents are right next to me. My wife is right next to me. Uh, they're saying something over the speakers. Some highlights are playing. And Coach Brown puts his arm around me. And he says, you know, Colt, this is forever. Your name will forever be up there. No one's ever going to wear your number again. This is forever. And from that moment, I've been thinking, because forever's a long time. In 1979, Earl Campbell became the first Longhorn to have his jersey retired. And since then, there have been five others, including mine. And I, was, I, I guess if Texas continues this rate of retiring five, number, five or six numbers every 25 or 30 years... Then in a couple hundred years, we could have two or three dozen numbers no longer available for my equipment manager to hand out <laughs> or not to hand out. And my point is that someday there might not be any jerseys left. And the truth is, hundreds of years from now, nobody's going to remember my name. Some university president or head coach 50 or 60 years from now could come along and order that Number 12, be put, in, put back into circulation. Who knows? Let's live our lives for the only thing that hundreds of years from now is still going to matter. 
meant very few things in this life are truly forever. And that's what you do in this life for Jesus. And that's the legacy that you want to leave. Take just a second and think about this in your mind. What legacy are you leaving? What legacy would your wife say you're leaving? What legacy would your children say you're leaving? What legacy would your coworkers say you're leaving? The people you're around every day, what would they say? Are you leaving a legacy of success in business? Lots of good things going there. You leaving a legacy of a successful golf game? You leaving a legacy of a big 401k? Or are you leaving a legacy of humility, of faithfulness, of service, and love? Because men, the golf game, the 401k, and the big bank account, at the end of the day, that stuff isn't going to matter. But a legacy of faithfulness, of love, of service, it's going to matter a long time after you're gone. Fathers, church, we are in this together. I'm in this battle with you. I'm fighting just like you. And as we end this series, let's pray that God would turn us into the men he has called us to be. Men that lead our families. Men that lead our marriages. Men that lead our churches. Men that love our wives like Christ loved the church. And men that leave a legacy of faithfulness to Jesus. Because that's the only thing that's going to last. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning just thanking you for this day. Thank you for this time to be here. God, we celebrate fathers today. We're thankful for fathers. I'm thankful for mine. And God, I ask that through this sermon today, God, that you would allow us to leave a legacy of faithfulness. Allow us to leave a legacy of service, of love. God, you are the greatest... You sent your son to be the greatest example of that for us. And we studied about him today, God, and we're so thankful for him. We're thankful that he sacrificed himself up on the cross for us. And through that, he gave us the hope of eternal life in heaven with you, God. We couldn't ask for anything more. We love you. We thank you. We worship you this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen.